1: Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Hess!
1: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you back to a brand new edition of Between the Links. We are back after a week hiatus. Last week was insane. We were all over the place covering different events. I was in Tampa. We had the Bellator open workouts and media days with AJ McKee and Patricia Pitbull. Casey was out there for that. So we just couldn't get a show together. It just wasn't possible. This week is crazy as well. But we couldn't skip out two weeks in a row. We just couldn't do it. But we're back with a lot to discuss. Let's get right into this thing. Let us introduce the combatants first. The illustrious return of the winningest player in BTL history. The man with the fiery hot takes. The man who still has us pondering what would happen if Israel Adesanya fought Habib Nurmagomedov. Let us say hello once again to Mr. Jen Mishu. How are you, my friend?
2: be would beat that ass. That's what would happen. <laughs> uh, I think we can all agree that's just that's the outcome that would that would occur, and it'd be lovely. I'm great. I, I've taken some time off, got re-energized. You know, I was, I was feeling a little lackluster with my BTL game. It's hard. It's hard to come in day in day out and care when you're this dominant when you put up this many Ws on the board. But a couple of weeks to get my head right, I'm in the right space to come out here and and put on a great performance. I'm here for the fans, Mike, the fans.
1: And that's what the show is all about. It's for the people. And back on the program this week after defeating Alex Kaylee on his freaking birthday, no less, the icy, cold-blooded journalist himself. You see his work (laughs) on his own site, UFC.com, and much more. Mr. E. Spencer Kite, back on the
3: show. Hello, kind sir. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I'm happy to be here taking out the winningest player in the history of this illustrious program. I look forward to going 2-0 and knocking Jed, giving giving Jed another loss, another tick in that loss column.
1: Wow, look at that. We're already getting after it. Go ahead, Jed, say something.
2: I mean, losses just, they're just off my back like water off a duck, you know, like, (laughs) look, I'm a home run hitter. Who's got the most strikeouts in Major League history? It's Babe Ruth. I don't know if that fact is true or not, but we're going to pretend it is because I'm here to swing away, baby.
1: All right. Now, real quick, I know, I know you're asking, for, the, especially those who watched the A-side yesterday, where's the triple threat match? Sometimes in life, things come up. You got to pivot. AK had something come up last minute. He couldn't make it. He apologizes for that, and he has promised he'll be ready to go next time. He wants the triple threat match to happen, and we will make that happen, but... We got the two of you guys here. Let's talk some MMA. Let's begin with this past Saturday, UFC Vegas 32, a very entertaining event. I caught up like a couple days later after my slumber from covering BKFC 19, but it was a fantastic main event. We had big finishes, whole bunch of judging controversy to boot, but in the end, TJ Dillashaw returns after his USADA suspension. He gets a split decision win over Corey Sanhagen. A lot of folks not happy with the decision here, so... Let me start with you, Spencer, Kite. It seems like there were much more things we could define as robberies on this card, much more egregious scorecards on Saturday. Was Corey Sanhagen robbed? Like, are, are we comfortable saying this was a robbery on Saturday?
3: I'm certainly not comfortable saying it was a robbery. Someone with spicy hot takes like Jed might, but I'm not. It was a close fight. It was a, it was a typical close fight where we need to come away from it and understand close fights happen. Um, I've watched it back a couple of times. I wrote a piece about the rewatch and sort of rounds four and five, which became the deciding rounds. And even those two rounds in and of themselves are super tight. They're, they're narrow, they're narrow frames. If you look at the punch stat numbers, even the numbers are close. And so to think this is a robbery is crazy. I disagreed with the decision, but it's not one of those instances where you can, you can reasonably sit there and say Corey Sandhagen got robbed. I love the way that he's handled it, coming out and saying, I have to take responsibility for this, not take my foot off the gas, keep getting after it, and and not kind of coast a little bit. But I mean, it was just a, a super close fight and a terrific fight at that.
1: Jed, I spoke with Dean Thomas on Tuesday for What the Heck, and he didn't call this a robbery. He said that he came away thinking Corey Sanhagen was the better fighter, but TJ Dillashaw just played the game better than Corey Sanhagen did. So with that being said and just your overall view of the fight itself, can we use the word robbery here? Was this a robbery on Saturday?
2: What a dumb freaking sport, man. like A guy who... (laughs) Dean Thomas knows a lot about MMA, like a very knowledgeable person, both as a fighter, as a coach. And for him to just be like, yeah, one of these people is better than the other, but that's not how the game works. It's just like it's super dumb that that's the sport we can have. It. We're like, that's a world that can exist. Ostensibly, the idea is to find out who the better fighter is. And we did, but that fighter is not the winner. What the going on, man? Uh i've taken a journey on this so i watched this saturday night um with a lot of friends and many beverages and at the time i believed that that was a robbery uh watching it in real time it seemed extremely evident to me that Corey sandhagen won at least three rounds arguably four more to the point he just beat the bricks just right on off tj dillashaw for the balance of the fight Uh, I sort of assumed that everybody thought the same, but I have since come to find that some people think TJ Dillashaw won and rewatched it. And I can at least see the case. I don't think that they're right. Uh, I think by any metric that should matter, Corey Sandhagen should have won that fight. But given the fact that we exist in a sport, that's very dumb, uh, rules and scoring are nebulous concepts at best, as opposed to like set in stone properties, uh, I can at least understand the other side of things. And so it's probably not a robbery just because that fight was pretty close. I still though come down ultimately on the side of anytime a bad decision is rendered, it's a robbery. Like it doesn't have to be a close fight or not because we've talked about it a lot. Everybody, Jake Paul has banging the drum, you know, all this stuff. Hey, uh, what did Corey Sandhagen get a win bonus? He did not. He should have gotten a win bonus because, in most people's estimation, he should have won that fight, and so that was taken from him by three people who were wrong. And so, I think you can call it a robbery. I'm not here to tell you no. I get why people are are hesitant not to, but look, it's 2021, man. You yeah, got stand stand your ground, stand for something. Just say it from the chest, baby. That's a robbery. Corey Sandhagen, second best band weight in the world, behind my man Rob Font. That's where it's at. <laughs>
1: I mean, be that as it may, no matter how you scored it, Dillashaw comes back, he wins, got a bit banged up with the knee, the cut near the eye. But let me, let me ask you this, Jed, Were for a guy that hadn't fought since January of 2019, the USADA suspension, et cetera, were
2: you impressed with TJ Dillashaw in his first fight in over two years? Dude, he looked unbelievable. <laughs> like he's—if you weren't impressed by TJ Dillashaw, you are a stone cold hater, man. Like that dude was off for two plus years. The game, like outside of him just being off for that amount of time, a lot of that time he was rehabbing injuries and stuff. Like the ring rust factor, take that away because opinions vary. Like the game has developed super, like super aggressively over that time that he's been gone, and frankly, somebody said this beforehand, and it actually may have even been Dillashaw. I think Sandhagen is like the worst style matchup for him in the division, and that's the dude he came back to. And whether you agree with the decision or not, he technically got a win over him. For my money, like the hardest fight for him, I think he can absolutely be competitive with anybody else in the division and maybe actually get that title back like stone cold super impressive the fact i thought he was done after the second round man like he was getting lit up and he not only did he weather the storm and survive to the final bell he on two judges scorecards won two of the rounds after that round where he got his ass beat hell impressive performance from tj dillashaw and you just can't hate the man unless you are a stone cold hater
1: Spencer what's you? because Uriah Faber did a, did an interview with our friends at Stone Submission Cold Radio and yes Uriah so, you know <laughs> yes listen listen Uriah the, there's no love loss between those two guys and they're you know those two are never going to be sharing a family dinner anytime soon but Uriah did compliment his championship mentality thought that was the biggest difference in the fight but one thing Uriah did say was TJ's the same guy like he's the same fighter very talented championship mentality mindset etc but he hasn't really evolved since he was suspended. What did you think of TJ's performance? Like, did you think like we saw an actual, like a better guy? I mean, I know he had some injuries in the knee and all that stuff. And that kind of hampered him a little bit. He still won and still fought his ass off, but was he better? Like, is this a better version than the guy we saw two, two and a
3: half years ago? I don't know that it was a better version, but does it need to be? I mean, the guy that left two years ago was, was the best bantamweight in the world and, and proved that point emphatically in a pair of fights over, oh, yeah, one of Faber's one of Faber's guys, a guy that replaced TJ as one of Faber's guys. And so to, to sit there and say, well, he hasn't evolved, sure. How, how many guys do you know that drastically changed their game when they're 33, 34, 35 years old? The fact that he came back and looked as good as he did against, as Jed said, a world-class fighter in Corey Sanhagen, a guy that we all agreed is very much in this title conversation and a difficult matchup for anybody in the top five and the champion, whoever you want to distinguish that as. Says a lot about who TJ Dillashaw is and, and where he fits in this division. I know there were a lot of people that expected him to get blown out and were looking forward to seeing him get blown out and hoping that this was the night that he goes out and Corey Sanhagen just trounces him and TJ looks washed and we can and everybody can just kind of move on from him being a contender. He showed last Saturday that he's very much in the thick of this. And you have to think after more than two years off, he does that. What's he going to look like now that he's not shaken out two years of time on the sideline. Now that he's, you know, gotten back in there and found the rhythm again, he's going to have to take some time here with the knee injury, but we have a chance. Like he really does have a chance to go through and, and fulfill the, the mission he's on. Of becoming a three-time world champion and joining Randy Couture as the only other the only two people to accomplish that in the UFC.
1: Now, Spencer, we don't know, like you said, the extent of the injury. Said so he's having surgery, plans to be back quick, but nobody knows exactly what quick means. I mean, quick could be less, it could be a year for any injury. I mean, that's that's pretty damn quick. 135-pound division is just it's so good. It's so loaded. And while Dillashaw is a nice addition to have in the mix. He's not the only guy in the mix. So when he's good to go, Spencer, is this title shot right away or does, does he need one more because of the controversy surrounding this fight?
3: So I'm going to do you one better than saying it's so good. It is the best division in the UFC. I know Casey, our judge agrees with that fact and has been stumping for that for a while. I agree with him. It is the best. And and to me, It's title shot. Now, of course, timelines dictate everything. We have to see where everything is at. But you don't go out and and beat Corey Sandhagen and have to do something else. There's nothing else for him to prove right now. He's a two-time former champion. He just came back off two and a half years off and got a victory over the guy we all acknowledged as the number one contender. You get the next title shot. If things don't line up, there are certainly other matchups that are out there There are some other fights that I would love to see that make sense that you sort of figure out and work through, including potentially a fight with the winner of of next week's Jose Aldo-Pedro Munoz fight would be terrific. Jed's guy Rob Font is out there. We got to see what he's up to. But I think you beat Corey Sanhagen like that. You have that performance. It's a title shot. And if that happens within sort of the first three or four months of 2022, that makes sense to me.
1: What do you think, Jed? Do, do you agree with that sentiment? I mean, we got Sterling versus Jan. That's targeted for October 30th. I don't believe Penn has gone to paper yet, but that's what everybody's talking about. Are you giving the, sh- the, sh- the shot to the man, in your opinion, that is the best bantamweight in the world, Rob Font, right now? Like, does Rob Font get the winner of that fight? Or do you maybe have Font and Dillashaw fight each other? Does Dillashaw just get the winner of Jan versus Sterling? Because if Jan wins you know they're going to try to run a third fight back. So how do you see this all sort of shaping out? How
2: would you do it? I'm not going to lie. I did not pay attention to one thing that Spencer said after he said that Bantamweight was the best division because (laughs) it's just categorically wrong. Like I didn't realize that 155 pounds had fallen off the face of the earth and I had to do quick Googling to see if the UFC had, had let that division go again. But they haven't, and so it's, it's still the best division. It, it's been the best division since it came back, and it will be the best division in perpetuity. So I, I got a little distracted. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> as far as what we do next here, uh, it's it seems pretty obvious to me. I don't if, if Jan wins, I don't think they're doing a trilogy fight with Sterling because Sterling's win. Again, I think Sterling's win 100% legit. I have been calling Aljo the Bantamweight champ. I don't think he should – I think he should refuse to fight Peter Young, actually. <laughs> but he should make – Young because look at Jan's resume. I'm about to go off on so many tangents. Mike. Young's resume <laughs> is dog shit. Like, he's got the Aldo win is the only, like, actual good Bantamweight win that he has. And if you take away that because I love Aldo more than most people, well, let's be honest. He's probably not really, like – a top five guy uh, it's Jan's resume doesn't deserve a title fight. And if you look at him and say, he legitimately lost that fight to Sterling, which he did, he did a super, super stupid illegal thing. And so he lost by merit of that. Then he doesn't deserve a title shot, but they're going to run it back. Whatever. If Jan wins, the UFC is not going to run that trilogy back. They're going to let that simmer because of the circumstance to the first one. And so that's that's super clean and easy. TJ is going to get the winner of Jan Sterling. It sucks that the best band of weight in the world, Rob Font, is going to have to sit on his ass for a little while, but maybe he goes and fights Corey Sanhagen, puts the wood to Sandhagen because that fight would be fun as hell. Like, I don't care that that is maybe not great from a contendership standpoint. That's just going to be awesome. Uh, and it'll let Rob Font really stake his name – in the sand like 100% this is me whereas i mean you could give him a title fight now especially if, if TJ's rehab takes a little longer or what have you but coming off that win over a guy who can't ever win fights in Cody Garbrandt like just Rob Font probably needs something a little more marquee a little more you know headline event or like co-main to Aljo Sterling something like that so however it shakes out i, I think I think mean, TJ's getting the next title fight, and he should. Dude never lost his belt. He might be the best band away in the world not named Rob Font.
1: <laughs> well, we shall, shall see what happens. Corey, I mean, TJ looked tremendous. Corey Sandhagen is just so, so good, and he's only going to get better. And it was a, a fun event on Saturday. There's another big one this past Friday night as well. That's where we're going next. But the point for round one goes to... Mr. Spencer Kite. He is on the board. It is one to nothing. Good stuff, gentlemen.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. Uh, this
2: Spencer's is exactly about to be off too low, I don't have shit to say about this.
1: <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe, maybe Spencer doesn't have anything to say about this either. But uh, let us discuss BKFC.
2: <laughs> let's,
1: let's discuss BKFC 19 because if Spencer has nothing to say about it, this is going to be a great round. I was there for the whole shebang on Fight Week in Tampa. Great time covering it. BKFC was amazing all week. The fight card on Friday was absolutely chaotic. So much happened. It was a... It was a memorable experience, no doubt about that. But it was capped off with the second meeting between Paige Van Zant and Ray- Rachel Ostevich, P- PVZ's second BKFC appearance. Ostevich is first. These two ladies threw down. Ostevich gets the win. She looked great in the fight. She looked super comfortable in that setting without a doubt, which surprised a lot of people, myself included. So, Jed, we'll begin with you. I mean... What, what what stood out to you at all? Like, did you even watch clips? Anything? Did anything stand out to you in this fight?
2: Uh oh! In this fight, no. What did stand out is I'm I'm on our website right now. Uh, um, and we, whoever wrote this, I'm sorry to be blowing you up right now, but we said that Jared Warden Warden was uh, given knockout of the night for a brutal finish of Zion Williamson, and it, Zion Tomlinson. <laughs> Zion Williamson plays basketball for the Pelicans. And that's why I was like, wait a second, what? Um <laughs> as far as this fight, I saw uh I did not watch it live. Uh I saw some highlights. Uh I just honest I this had little to no interest for me. If it's your thing, cool. I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum. And I know a lot of people are super interested in it. It's an event that I would have really liked to go to, like, personally, because I'm sure and talking to you briefly, I know that you had a a great time uh, and that it's like a pretty fun live scene. But the main event was like the least interesting fight to me. The other ones were at least something that I kind of cared about. Paige Van Zandt and Rachel uh, Ostovich just aren't, I mean, it's bare knuckle. So I guess it's maybe they are relevant, but they're not relevant to me uh, in my view of fight sport because they're not like super good at it. Uh, they're both really tough and I don't think they get enough credit for that. Like because they are, traditionally pretty or however you to put it um but they're both like really tough women uh and from the highlights i could see it seemed like that was on display as as is want to happen in a bare knuckle fight but uh neither of them are going to be like winning belts soon or really mattering in like a substantial way as far as being the best in their sport and their division and so it just kind of little whatever to me and selling the whole thing was odd like selling this as a a rematch in revenge is it was an mma fight this this is a very different fight if i I pretty like i'm like 99 percent sure that page tapped ostovich anyway so like you can't really get to get revenge for being submitted by having a bare-knuckle fight where submissions aren't a thing like it's just a totally different thing and so yeah again not for me if it's for you i'm not here to yuck your young man I hope you had a wonderful Friday night. I hope you tuned in to all of Mike Heck's wonderful coverage, but just not my bag.
1: You know what, Jed? I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm an honest guy. I'm full of integrity. I'm the guy who wrote Zion Williamson, and I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. It's awesome. It I want to live there
2: forever. Because <laughs> I was reading over, I was like, "Does this guy really have this the same name?" I can't believe I did I that. Like, no, it's Zion Tomlinson. Oh, I was like, "Damn, that is gonna be that is awesome."
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed! What an idiot! I mean, it is. The, <laughs> <laughs> it I did NBA it tr-
2: Spencer, but I got a W over my. Head <laughs> oh man. Scared.
1: It's NBA draft week. Maybe I was distracted. I don't know. Maybe it's just the clouds in my brain. What an idiot. Anyways, uh Spencer, what do you think? Did, did did you watch it? Did you uh did you read about it? Did you read about Zion Williamson getting brutally knocked out? Like what happened?
3: I I hope that it hyperlinks to actual like Zion information elsewhere on on SB Nation. Like it just goes to his stats page and everything. That would be terrific. I didn't oh, watch it God. live. I I obviously saw highlights because you know, I exist on Twitter like everybody else. I agree with Jed that you can't really call it a rematch because some of the rules are, all the rules are different. The way that Paige Van Zandt won the first time is not even on the table anymore. Um, I was impressed though. I mean, I was one of those people that thought, well, Rachel Ostevich has never really been much of much of a boxer. Yeah, she throws hands a little bit, but her thing is her best area in mixed martial arts has always been grappling and to go out there and piece up Paige Van Zant. from everything I saw. Everybody everybody was convinced outside of Paige in her corner that this was a clear victory for Rachel Ostevich. I always enjoy seeing people storm out of cages and rings and what have you when they lose and they're just flabbergasted. It is one of my favorite things on any fight night to just predict seeing and then see the person that is just completely aghast that things didn't go their way on the scorecards when there's nothing that should lead them to believe that it's going to go their way. And so for me, this is, it's weird that Paige is 0 and 2 now just because such a big deal was made of it. She's kind of this person that they wanted to build things around. But the beauty of this fight is that whoever won, you could still go forward with. And so now they have Rachel Ostevich. I know she's only 1 and 0. I know, as Jed said, We're not talking about like world championship caliber boxers here, but we're talking about BKFC. And I don't think we're looking for world championship caliber boxers. We're looking for people that can be on the main event or the main card of their next show or the show after that and draw in some eyeballs. And Rachel Ostevich is that person. Whether we like it or not, whether it's for her skills in the ring or not, she is one of those people. And she is going to fight Britton Hart or Beck Rawlings now that Beck is back in the mix. And people are going to tune in the same way they tuned into this.
1: So you, you sort of alluded to it, Spencer. Page made big waves signing with BKFC. Multi-fight, multi-million dollar deal. They they emptied the checkbook for her. She's now 0-2. Oh She's lost two <laughs> fights. But, I mean, she, she didn't get run over in either of these fights. She didn't get stopped in any of these fights. She didn't get knocked out. She lost two at least somewhat competitive fights. And she did show improvements between the loss to Burton Hart and now the loss to Rachel Ostevich. And I feel like there's potential there because the first fight with Burton Hart, we saw Paige Van Zandt, the MMA fighter, trying to be a bare knuckle fighter. And then in this fight, we saw Paige fully go all in on boxing. But we just need, if she can find that middle ground between the two, I, I think she could find some success. So I'm curious, like, where she goes from here. Like, do you think... I mean, and this is nothing, I mean, BKFC, whatever, you you know Paige. We've seen her throughout her UFC run. Do you think she sticks around and, like, gives this another go? Or do you feel like she moves on from the bare knuckle realm?
3: I mean, to me, where else does she go? Like, this is one of those you mentioned earlier that it's NBA draft night, it's draft week. This kind of feels like the Ben Simmons thing of, like, your stock has never been kind of lower. Like, it was a big deal when you – exited the UFC and we're free agent and everybody wanted to see where you were going, going to go because it's a hot property and now you're Owen two, And so I think she just has to stick around. Like she has to get back out there in a couple of events and face somebody, whether it's a newcomer to, to the organization, whether it's Jenny Savage who fought Britain Hart last week and got knocked out. It's gotta be something because BKFC is probably thinking, man, we need a little bit more return on this investment right now. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people lining up to hustle Paige into another combat sports arena when she's 0-2 in her last, in these bare-knuckle fights. She lost her last UFC event and she, as Jed said earlier, was never really a world-class fighter in MMA. And so, yes, she's a name. Yes, she's a draw. But to me, BKFC is the only place for her right now because the stock is so low that, you know, there aren't, there aren't going to be a lot of people offering top dollar right now, I don't think.
1: What do you think, Jed? I mean, she, obviously with her contract and her name and stuff like that, like, you know, she, I'm sure if she took an MMA fight, BKFC would would let her go and, and take said MMA fight. So do you think her next fight will be in the BKFC ring or maybe we see her in Bellator? Like, what, what, what do you think happens next?
2: I could not disagree more with Spencer. <laughs> like just the exact opposite of everything he said. Like one, if, if you, you could lose a hundred fights in BKFC. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody, nobody has any idea that she lost. This fight. <laughs> no one cares that she lost. Two, there's actually probably some argument that losing in a bare knuckle boxing fight is like better because It was always baffling to me that she went there anyway. She wasn't a good boxer. Like, Spencer started by saying, you know, uh, Rich Osevich, not a great striker. It's not like she pieced up Floyd Mayweather. Paige sucked on the feet. She was tough. She just kind of hard-nosed and played like clinch games and could grapple a little bit. But really what Paige did was she was tough and kind of athletic. She was super bad at boxing. That's why it was shocking to me that she went to bare knuckle. Like, I I guess they opened the bag for it. That's great. Get that bag, girl, because you, if you don't like Paige Van Zant, you're kind of dumb. She seems awesome. Like she's just personality wise seems like really cool and understands where she is and what she's doing but you can't deny that she's playing her career perfectly like she's maximizing her value everywhere she goes and she said it a bunch like she doesn't have to fight she make more money doing anything else other than fighting she (laughs) fights what she wants to so maybe she comes back to bare knuckle because this is the kind of fighting that she's interested in competing in or maybe she just wants to get one win in the organization and move on but like if she dropped and was like, hey, I want to go back to MMA, Scott Coker would call her up before she was done <laughs> with the press release. Like, hey, we don't have a strawweight division. We do have a flyweight division that, the, let's be clear, the top women are going to beat the crap out of you. But after all, like front five, we don't have anybody that anybody cares one whit about. And you would be a tremendous addition to that. <laughs> like you take her instantaneously. And if she wants to go there and if the money's right, and you know, the I think she can make a lot of money in Bellator because she, like I said, she's she's been open about she can make a lot more money sponsorships doing other things. We know that Bellator doesn't have the restrictive sponsorship deals that the UFC does. Like, I think she can go to Bellator. Get paid a bundle by Scott Coker, just flat out, and then make a ton in sponsorships and bring a lot of eyeballs, bring a lot of relevance to them. Again, she's not bringing it as a top tier fighter, but every week, very clearly, this past weekend, BKFC was the was what we all thought the draw for for site views was going to be because of Paige Van Zandt and Rachel Ostevich. And that's over a former Bantamweight champion versus literally the number one contender in Spencer's wrongly said best division in the sport. So, like, if she can <laughs> if she can at least make that draw competitive with that counter-programming, she can sure as shit make people care about, like, Denise Kielholtz or whatever for Bellator. Like, come on. She's getting signed wherever she wants to go. I think Bellator's a great fit. It's entirely whatever she wants to do next.
1: What about Rachel Ostevich, Jed? I think she surprised a lot of people in there. We saw that, we saw that fighter come out in a big way. Like she cracked Paige right away. Like with in the opening seconds, she cracked her with the right hand and set the tone for the entire fight. And I feel like BKFC's got something with her because there's still some mystery to her. She's overcome a lot. Uh, and I think Rachel has something there too. Like, I feel like that dog that she truly is came out in that ring. And I know, you know, compare the competition or whatever, be that as it may, but if you're David Feldman, are you taking the shot and doing what it takes to lock Rachel Ostevich down? Because at the end of the the event at the press conference, she was asked, like, are you coming back? And she said, essentially, maybe, I don't know yet. Like, do you think we see her back in there once again? Do you think BKFC just kind of goes all in and tries to build her up as the next star?
2: Uh, I say, yeah, I think she is going to come back because uh, I think BKFC, I think that's a really natural fit for her. Uh, I think she has less of a career in MMA than Paige does. Uh, I, I think that she is just not as good an MMA fighter. She's clearly a better bare knuckle boxer. Uh, the threshold there seems a lot lower, if we're being honest. Um, and they've they've got momentum with her now. I mean, Spencer mentioned you could do a fight with Beck Rollins, which would be really fun probably actually do pretty well from a numbers perspective. Britain Hart also won on Friday. Um that's uh, a pretty logical next fight as well. I think they've just got some options and so for sure they should probably try and run with this ball as long as as long as they can they can carry it, you know. Um maybe maybe the market for Rasochovic is is bigger than I think it is, but I don't think it's enormous and so I think that they can they can get her to come back. They may have to spend a little more than maybe they would have thought, but I don't think they'll have to break the bank. And uh, I think that she is somebody that they can they can work with.
1: What do you think, Spencer? You think we'll see her back? Do you think uh, that win boosted her confidence enough where it's like, you know what, I'm home here. Like I'm a bare knuckle fighter now.
3: Yeah, I think it has to, right? I mean, it's weird to me that they didn't get something more long term right out of the gate, just as a precautionary measure because now her price went up now her stock went up she she got this win that not a lot of people expected and she looked great doing it and so you have to go out and bring her back even if it's for one more fight two more fights whatever it may be you can't have her win that and then just bounce when you've invested this much time and energy and and promotional material into Paige Van Zandt
1: kudos to BKFC great event a lot of fun probably need to invest in uh you know, you can invest in fighters all you want, but probably need to invest in more security to stop people from jumping the rails and attacking rappers in the ring, uh, and maybe not do the social influencer matches with boxing gloves on. Like that was kind of a weird thing that turned some people off. But uh,
2: BKFC That's was deep. a
1: big talking point over the weekend. What, Jed?
2: That is very weird to do. A, the name of the promotion is Bare Knuckle <laughs> FC, and then have boxing gloves is is pretty odd.
1: Yeah, I think they kind of realized that right away. But I actually got more excited for those fights as they went on and then as the week went on and then the gloves came out and I was like, "Hmm, I don't know how this is going to go over. But that was this past weekend. We're going to move ahead to this weekend's action. The point for round two goes to... I got to give it to Jed for a, a couple of reasons. I thought he presented his arguments very well. And plus he called me out and made me look like an idiot and I got to take it on the did. chin. So
2: sure that's did.
1: it. And, uh, you know, hopefully Zion Williamson is, is doing okay after Friday night, but uh,
2: hopefully Zion Williamson gets in the BKFC ring. Cause I'll tune in for that. I'll pay a lot of money to watch Zion Williamson in that.
1: I can't believe that. Zion Tomlinson, my apologies, uh, to, to Mr. Tomlinson. I hope he's doing okay. That was a scary scene on Friday night, but, uh, Look, and I know we typically do this on the show, but we're not going to do it this week because there's no need to. We're not going to play the UFC versus Bellator comparison game this weekend due to them going head-to-head because, let's be honest, there is no competition here. There are certainly some interesting matchups on the UFC Vegas 33 card, but top to bottom from main event down, if I'm only watching one and I don't think I'm alone here, it's Bellator, and this one isn't even close in my eyes. The main event, of course, for the featherweight title, Patricio Pitbull versus AJ McKee, Grand Prix finale, million bucks on the line, The storylines are there. It's just good stuff. The press conference is out of control towards the end. Spencer, we're going to begin with you. I'm going to do it this way. In three words or less, how would you describe this fight between Pitbull and McKee? And then you can explain why using, well, more than three words.
3: Three words. Best this summer. I mean, this is the fight that we all hoped for when this tournament was announced 37 years ago um it's the fight that we got we're all happy to see it it's the fight that it's the perfect fight for bellator too and i think that's for me what makes it that next little bit even more compelling because no matter who wins this this is terrific for bellator if aj mckee wins you've got a young champion you do an immediate rematch and if he wins both then you're off and running with this undefeated superstar and if Pitbull wins, then, you're, then we're really having to have the conversations about is he the greatest featherweight in the world right now and where does he fit sort of in those all-time ranks? And that's not something we do very often with Bellator and their champions. And so to me, this is a fight that everybody has been looking forward to since it came together. It is absolutely the best fight of this weekend. It is the best fight to me on paper for the whole summer. And it is a fight that... I mean, if you like this sport, you are tuning into this. Even if you are the most die-hard UFC loyalists,
1: Jed, what are your three words and why?
2: Mm. Or less? Been a lot of. I just spent the whole time Spencer was talking trying to think. I'm going to say this, and I know it's immediately going to make me lose the round. Dope, but overrated. Ooh, why? Yeah. There's the spice. Yeah. Uh, Look, maybe this is me being better because uh, this fight cost me uh, my BTL championship or tag team titles. I don't remember which one it was. I have so many championships on this (laughs) this show, Uh, but don't get me wrong. This is easily the best fight of the weekend. Like it is not close. Uh, My issues here with the fight are I actually think the in cage product isn't going to be that cool. Everything else about this fight's great. The storylines are tremendous. I think we'll probably end up looking back on this as uh, the high watermark for Bellator, you know, in this five-year stretch or whatever. This is this is everything they do, like, or that they want to do at, at its, like, best. They have the greatest fighter in Bellator history taking on this super prospect, the guy who everybody thinks is the next dude. Like, Everything from a storyline, it fits perfectly. I've watched a lot of tape on both of these guys, uh, you know, because I was getting excited about the fight. And I think Pitbull is just going to wipe the floor with him. And I don't think that it's going to be like that fun to watch. And if I'm wrong, then I'm, be, and I'm like way wrong because if basically this is a two outcome fight, like if Pitbull wins, it's great, right? It's, you know, it's a coronating moment for this guy. We're not going to have the conversations, is he the best featherweight in the world, like Spencer said, because he's not. Like He's not Alexander Volkanovsky or Max Holloway. We both beat the shit out of him. Um, but he's third. You know, he's behind those two dudes. He's really good featherweight, and that'll be great. But then it's a bit of a, there's a big letdown right after the immediate high of ah. This whole awesome thing came together, and Pitbull rightfully stands atop. And then it's, okay, well, what the hell now? If AJ McKee wins, we do get the Pitbull rematch will happen, guaranteed. And then that opens a lot of really interesting, fun doors. But I, like I said, I don't think it's going to happen. I just – I don't think AJ McKee has – has the. I just don't think he can win. Like he could, but I think he's still a couple of years away from being his best. And he needs to be at his best to beat Pitbull. Like, I think Pitbull is the third best featherweight in the world behind two unbelievably good guys. And so I think we're all coming into this with a lot of expectation. And the fight, I, I don't think, is going to live up to it. And last thing I'll say, I'd like a lot better if Beltor hadn't just shit the bed on this one, man. Like, this should be the event you build. All roads should lead to Bellator 263, man. Like, this should be a card of cards stacked to the gills and just going at it. And the coming of it's Mads Burnell. And, like, I like Mads Burnell, but come on. That dude should maybe not even be on your main card. You should have some gas behind this. And instead, they are just making this a standalone fight. And that's just... Kind of trash because like when you said at the beginning, we don't do the comparison show. If you take the top two fights off, these are the these are identical bad regional MMA cards. Like they're not good. So it's you know, a lot of things have brought me down on it. I'm still pumped, like I'm still gonna tune in Saturday. Uh I hope I'm wrong and that the fight delivers everything we want it to be, but I just think we're probably gonna get a really clear winner, and it's the winner that would be the not the least fun necessarily, but that creates the, the least fun outcomes from it, if that makes sense.
1: So you feel that the best thing for business coming out of this fight is A.J. McKee winning?
2: Oh, 100%. That's the best thing for business. If, if A.J. McKee wins, they get to do the immediate rematch. That's a, that's a big story um right there there's a lot of juice behind that then if if pitbull wins that there's a trilogy we're set up if not then aj mckee has won twice now aj mckee is 26 27 whatever he is at that uh, at that point um he's the guy you start building around him and you you break the bank to bring in like legitimate challengers for him however you can get them uh and figure out how to develop this kid because he's got all the makings of a star if pitbull wins pitbull's beat everyone there everyone in two divisions like there's nobody for him to fight except for just rehashing w's he's already gotten so again it's a crowning achievement it's a tremendous victory if pitbull wins but if he wins the conversation will immediate, almost immediately turn to okay so can he just like michael chandler his way out and go fight in the ufc because we don't want to watch him fight brent primus or Whoever the hell else he's going to have to fight featherweight again, like it's, I think it's unquestionably the worst outcome for for promotion is Pitbull winning, and uh, unfortunately for Bellator, I I think that's very likely to happen.
1: You agree with that, Spencer? Do you feel like I'm I'm not saying the promotion's rooting for AJ McKee, but do you (laughs) feel like the best thing for business is AJ McKee beating Patricio Pitbull on Saturday?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It, It creates the most outcomes. I absolutely love Jed's ability to just dismiss the MMA community's willingness to have conversations and discussions that we know aren't factually true and aren't realistic, but to have them passionately anyways. If Pitbull wins this, there are going to be myriad conversations about, is he the best featherweight in the world? I agree that he's not, and it's stupid and a waste of time, but they are going to happen. And I don't know that, I mean, I disagree that it's going to be one-way traffic. I think AJ McKee is, just might be that guy that, yeah, he hasn't reached his peak yet, but where he's at right now is really good. And, and if he goes out and wins this fight, it is absolutely the best thing because of all the things that, that we've both stated already. You get the rematch, maybe a trilogy fight down the road. You get this 26-, 27-year-old undefeated fighter to build around going forward, to to grab that torch from the guy that has carried the brand for the last seven eight years, if not longer. I agree that this should have been a bigger card um, in terms of who Pitbull fights. If he does win this, he fights Mads Burnell. If Mads Burnell wins, that's why Mads Burnell is in the co-main event. I agree that it's not necessarily the most glamorous main event, but that's why he's there. Like that's Case what happens closed. right there. I'm, Unfortunately, Emmanuel Sanchez be- if Emmanuel Sanchez beats him, we are getting yet another Bellator Redux, which is just but that's just kind of what Bellator is, right? It's the way Strike Force was, it's what Scott Coker does. He thinks about the here and now, and the worry about later is a future Scott Coker problem, and he'll address it down the road. So at least we might get Mads Burnell as a number one contender for Pitbull if each of them win on, on Saturday night. When, when you're hoping when you
2: are hoping <laughs> for a Mads Burnell title challenge, he's not going Japanese next <laughs> pimple. Like, God, Bellator is so I, close to, like, they're so close to having. Him, I fully Rucker agree. Just can't, can't quite get there. Like, he's. He but is that was Strike Force, too, right? Like, that, that was Strike
3: Force during Strike Force's prime, during its rise, whatever it was. You had two or three fights at the top that you were like, this is awesome but I'm not sure where it leads. And then two months down the road, you were like, we didn't lead anywhere. What what did we get to? Where are the, you had a bunch of squash matches with great prospects. They got to a certain point that they got steamrolled. And then we were just kind of every couple of months, we figured out something new again. It's what's happening in Bellator. It's worked out. Okay. For them because they've gotten at least in this tournament, right? It's worked out. They've gotten what they wanted. They've built some guys. AJ McKee is an absolutely homegrown product through and through every fight in his career in Bellator. And maybe Scott Coker isn't wishing and hoping that he wins, but I'm sure some people in the organization are. Oh, oh, oh Scott
2: Coker. Scott, Scott
3: Coker. Scott yeah, Coker probably yeah, wishes he, he wins, it too. out loud because yeah.
2: you can't do that, but... Yeah, Scott Coker yeah. probably wishes he wins, hopes he wins, too. Scott Coker is very clearly like, yeah, I can either get a Pitbull McKee rematch or I can get Pitbull versus Mads Burnell. Ooh, this is a difficult promotional choice for me.
1: Well, I have a feeling Bellator- Pipple's going back up to 55 anyways.
2: Right, who's going to fight there? They have like three 55ers too. Bellator needs like four more good fighters in every division because they like they don't need the 700 or whatever like enormous roster that the UFC has but they need just like a few more to keep it from being super stale cuz like if if Emmanuel Sanchez wins and Pipple has to defend the featherweight belt at some point that please god no i just don't need that fight again like do anything else they just need a couple other good people in every division because it is kind of cool to know like if you if you sign with Bellator for five fights, you can comfortably say I'm going to fight every good person in that division <laughs> because everybody does fight everybody, <laughs> and that's neat because that doesn't happen in the UFC. But it also gets a little repetitive. We need they need just a little bit more spice to uh, to make things fun, or else we're going to have Pitbull, Mads Brunnell at Bellator two seventy three, and we're going to do fifty people in traffic that weekend
1: well listen that's not uh, I, I forgot something that casey just dm'd me about bellator already booked a number one contender fight at 145 pounds between adam Boric and jj wilson so there you go it's not going to be mad at least
2: now. These, i mean neither of those are super interesting for whoever wins this but they are different so that's good
1: yeah listen and i understand what they're trying to do with this card this is a this is a star-making kind of a card. Like, they're trying to build up people. Like, I actually, I really like the Emmanuel Sanchez-Badz Bernal fight. I think that's going to be super fun. We that's get to good see good Usman Namagame. Yeah, Usman off is on this card. I mean, they're trying yeah. to build him up against Manny Murrow, who's a tough dude. He's the upset kid. Brent Primus is all sorts of pissed off. I spoke with him the other day. He's all sorts of mad. He's fighting Islam Mabadov, who is legit as hell. And then Goichi Yamauchi versus Chris Gonzalez is interesting. So, I mean, listen, we, we understand those what they're trying to do
2: here. Good. Those fights are those fights are five fights too high on the card. That should be your bottom section of the fights. Here are the young, interesting prospects all that stuff. And then you should just have Ryan Bader. He's booked against somebody, I think. I don't know. Just put some people who people give a shit about, even if they're old and decrepit. Like, just bolster this with names instead of the bottom of it being uh, Georgie Karakani fighting. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, uh, Joshua Jones. I don't know that person by name. Uh, it's unfortunate. Joshua Jones is a very, very forgettable name. Jonathan... I can't pronounce that last name without sounding awful. He's three and four. That guy just shouldn't be on the card at all. <laughs> like, let's just do a little better, Bellator, because you could. I I want to care about them so much. You know this, Mike, and they keep just not rewarding it.
1: All right. Let, let, let's wrap with this, because this fight has been called, between pronouns, pal, between Patricia Pitbull and AJ McKee, the biggest fight in Bellator history. This is certainly the biggest fight Bellator can make right now. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But Spencer, I know we're we're diving deep into the Bellator, you know, archives here. Is this, in your opinion, from what you've seen covering the sport for all these years, do you feel that this is the biggest fight in Bellator history coming up on Saturday?
3: No, I don't think it is, just because it is very much the best they can do right now, and it's it's terrific right now but I don't think it has the same pull that some of the other big fights did. Like, look, it, it didn't turn out great, but Fedor fighting in New York City was a bigger fight. It was a bigger deal. This is a huge fight to us within the community that like are hardcore, crazy love everything about and have tracked every step of AJ McKee's development and will be the people having that ridiculous argument if Pitbull wins that he's the best featherweight in the world. But on the whole, I would say there's fights like some of Fedor's fights. I think the Eddie Alvarez, Michael Chandler series were bigger fights. But for right now and for going forward, maybe, this has the potential to be a true kind of landmark milestone moment for the promotion.
1: What do you think, Jed? Where where does this one rank in the all-time biggest fights in Bellator history?
2: Uh, I I mean, I think it's... Like I said, I think this is probably going to be considered a high watermark for the organization for the past couple of years. Certainly, for me, it's it's not the top one. For me, um, hold on, I'm looking it up. Bellator 221, Pitbull Chandler. That that's their best. That that's it. Like that is that fight essentially was for the title of greatest fighter in promotional history. Uh, Michael Chandler and Patricio Pitbull are Bellator MMA. Like that's they just are. Um, that fight had a lot of also similar, really good, really interesting storylines coming into it. Uh, the KO, uh, the KO was clean, but at, in real time, it felt a little wonky so that maybe like took some of the sting off it, but I think Belto 221, I mean, uh, also the co-main event was dope. And that was a way, way cooler co-main event than the one we're getting this weekend, uh aj mckee was on that card he fought packer Ern, former champion like i think they built that card a lot better i think that card meant a lot more uh historically and kind of for the future of this board i mean basically if you look at the ripple effect from that uh that is the event that allowed michael chandler to leave and come to the ufc basically once he lost the belt I think it was kind of written that Michael Chandler was, was moving on. Uh, and now Pitbull is where Pitbull is. So uh, for me, I think Bellator 221, that's, that's the hot watermark for them as, as an organization.
1: Fair enough. I'm looking forward to, to this one for sure. I I, I think I like the main card more than both of you guys do, but uh, the main event's great. Press conference got heated. You can check out that clip on MMA fighting's YouTube page and on our site. Good stuff. As we move to the final question of regulation, the point for round three goes to... We're flip-flopping here. Spencer Kite, up two to one, heading into the final question of regulation. Good round. I knew when I point. said
2: it was overrated, I wasn't getting points.
1: But you had a, you had a compelling argument, truth. so it went from Can't like a 10-6 to a 10-9. So there you go. Uh, So listen, we talked a lot about Bellator here, but the UFC is also going to have a card on Saturday. It's kind of overshadowed by Bellator 263. Uriah Hall versus Sean Strickland, the main event at 185 pounds. Certainly an interesting fight. I think it's good matchmaking for where these guys are at in their career. But this main event is going, uh, going up against Pitbull versus McKee. Tough ask for sure. So Jed, let's start with you. Do we have big stakes in this fight between Holland Strickland? Like, are you ready to say that whoever wins this fight, we're going to be on this show next week talking about, you know what? This guy's a title contender. Now
2: we have like two ounce stakes. This isn't even a six ounce filet. This is, there are no stakes here. This is, this is ground beef is what this is. This, this will get the job done, but it, it's not something you are pumped about. This fight is a perfectly Fine fight. It is shocking to me that this is headlining an event. I know it's not the worst main event we've ever had, but it's it's probably the worst this year, unless I'm just unless I just blanked one entirely from my memory. Like Uriah Hall is I don't have ways to talk about him that aren't super mean. And so that's just what this is going to be is me just being super mean to your eye all. Oh, great. He's on the best win streak of his career. It is the so much smoke and mirrors. Like, okay, he knocked out Bevan Lewis. Great. Bevan Lewis is not very good at fighting. He's like, fine, whatever. Uh, he won a split decision that he maybe shouldn't have won against Shoeface, who is not in the UFC anymore. <laughs> uh, he beat Anderson Silva. In the year of our Lord 2020, like that's, that's just not a thing. Like he also took a long time to beat Anderson Silva in 2020. If it was a three round fight, he would not have finished 47 going on 63 year old Anderson Silva. And then the Chris Weidman tragedy, like this is on paper. If this was six years ago, that resume is dope as hell. Right now, it just looks better than it is. He's not a real. He is. He's. He is the definition of wolf tickets, like. And Sean Strickland, I got a lot of love in my heart for Sean Strickland. Like Sean Strickland is a, he's a fun, interesting prospect. He's also, a uh, fun actually might be a bit of a stretch. Um, he's an interesting prospect in that he is clearly very good at fighting. Like he he has a composed game that works well in the current MMA meta game, but like. His move, at, his move to middleweight was good for him objectively, but it's not like he's blown the doors off great competition. Like, he won workmanlike decisions over Christoph Jocko, who's a solidish dude, and Brendan Allen, who's a solidish dude. Like, this is clearly, I would, you just sort of have to say it's a step up in competition for him. But at the same time, Uriah Hall is the sort of dude who could lose to anybody. Like, he could just mentally implode and may well happen on Saturday. Like, no, the short answer here is no, we're not talking about a title challenger here. If Sean Strickland wins, we're talking, okay, Sean Strickland putting together a good run. Let's see him against an actual like good middleweight. And if your are uh, hall wins, it's like, Hey, we, we still need to see you beat somebody who's, who's good. Not, not an old person who needs to retire or, a guy who has been a welterweight until last year. Like, we need you to beat Kelvin Gastelum, who, I again, I don't even think Kelvin Gastelum's good, mind you, but at least that's a better win than he has on his current resume. So, yeah, this uh, fight doesn't matter outside of to the participants in it. It matters a lot to them, but I'm really glad we have Bellator this weekend, even if the Bellator card's not great, because that's something I can look forward to, whereas this card just it just is
1: what do you think spencer what's at stake here is there anything at stake here for these guys
3: i think first and foremost that if i ever get into legal trouble that jed can help me with i am calling him fast as i can my one phone call is going to jed mashu cuz <laughs> his ability good. his ability to argue his points while ignoring other information and just kind of leaving stuff aside to make his case is amazing. He's got the he's got the charm. He's got the drawl. He just plays it out nicely. I'm I so think look, dude, you're saying that Uriah Hall, yes, year of our Lord 2020, fought and beat Anderson Silva. Do you know who really? didn't finish Anderson Silva in five rounds? The damn middleweight champ Israel Adesanya, who wouldn't even engage with him for the most part, just kind of stood there with him. Those three rounds, champ. I don't care. He didn't do any of the things that Uriah Hall did. Uriah Hall didn't finish, didn't finish Anderson in three rounds either. He still went out to me and looked much better than Izzy did against Anderson Silva. As for Sean Strickland, you say the move up to middleweight was a good move for him. It's a move back to middleweight. This is a point for me that is like one of those things that drives me insane. Sean Strickland started his career 15-0 at middleweight. His first two fights in the UFC were at middleweight where he beat, you know, Tough guys in Luke Barnett and Bubba McDaniel. Then he goes down to welterweight. He wins a couple. He loses three, but all to really good competition. And he's come back up and won three straight since coming back. If he was just an 18-0 and 0 middleweight, regardless of the fact that he is just a fundamental kind of technical meat and potatoes fighter, we'd be really excited about this guy, added to the fact that he's kind of a loose cannon when you put a microphone in front of him but instead he's got that middleweight misadventure and we kind of lose sight of the fact that at middleweight, this dude's legit. And if he goes out and beats Uriah Hall, that moves him into that range that Jed is saying, you've got to beat one of these guys. And you shouted out Kelvin Gastelum as the guy that you got to go out and beat as if Kelvin Gastelum is somebody in the year of our Lord 2021 that holds great sway in this division. And so to me, this is it may be, it's, it's certainly not going to determine the next middleweight title contender, but it puts one of these guys in range of fighting somebody in the top five. Like this division is kind of a mess right now because Israel Adesanya has been so good and because we've had sort of the top of the division cannibalize itself with Robert Whitaker fighting everybody and beating everybody and, and ending up where we're ending up later this year with those two running it back. But whoever wins this is in the mix, and they're very much close. I think it can be an entertaining fight. I know that Jed thinks that Uriah Hall is going to potentially implode this weekend and think that he's mentally weak. I've talked to him throughout this run. He sounds like a dude and, and talking to his coaches as well. All the stuff that used to bother him, he's put behind him. All the mentally weak stuff that he admits to, I had fear. I wasn't confident. I didn't believe the stuff that others believed in me. He believes now, and I think he can go out and have a great performance. And if Sean Strickland beats this version of Uriah Hall, I'm very much interested in seeing what he does next.
1: I think the stakes are, I mean, I know we talked about, you know, what's next for Luke Rockhold, but I feel like the winner of this fight could fight Luke Rockhold next. I feel like that's the, that's what's at stake here, but be that as it may. Spencer, as as on the show, as you saw a couple of weeks ago, we like to dig deep. We like to find diamonds in the rough on these cards. Low-key banger time, UFC Vegas 33. What fight are you circling on your card that isn't getting a lot of attention that just got you all sorts of fired up?
3: In the absolutely fabulous Bantamweight division, early in the night, (laughs) so long before Jed wants to start paying attention to Bellator, pay attention to Ronnie Lawrence versus Trevin Jones. Ronnie Lawrence looked good coming off the Contender Series. He looked even better in his debut against Vince Cachero. He's down at Sanford MMA, good-looking fighter, does everything pretty well. He's got a nice, well-rounded game. And Trevin Jones is just this dude that is knocking people out. Yes, the first win got overturned because they called him on like six days' notice, and he had weed in his system. And so his win over Timur Valiev has been turned into a no contest. But then he followed that up by going out and knocking out Mario Batista, who had had a couple of good wins. He did that 40 seconds into the second round. And looks like one of those guys that he's either going to go out there and knock you into next week, or he's going to battle you tough right to the bitter end. And against the kid in, in Ronnie Lawrence that I think has some interesting potential in a terrific division, it's one I'm paying attention to at the start of the night.
1: Jed, I'm trying to, to look on this card. I don't see any weight classes that begin with a two here. So this is, this is this is something you're gonna have to dig a little deeper on, my friend. Which one sticks out to you? Although I thought Spencer's was a was a very good
2: choice. I mean, you're right. There's no no twos. There's the only 185, which is another another go-to division, uh, is the main event, and that's not that's not even a high-profile banger. That's just a fight uh, that we're all gonna watch. Uh, for me, I think. I, I want to be clear, I totally knew that Spencer was going to take it. The minute he told that lie about white being better than Lightweight, I was like, oh, I bet he's really into this Trevin Jones fight then. So I guess I'll steer away from that one. Because I agree, that fight's actually going to be really fun. Um, but in lieu of that, uh, I have two answers. And the first one, I'm just going to throw a real quick shout-out uh, to Chris Grutzmacher, uh, Hoffa Garcia, because both of those guys are – Fairly fun fighters. Uh, it's in the actual best division in the sport, uh, which is 155. They're just so we're super, super clear. 155, much better than every other division by like a million miles. Uh, Garcia is 12 and 1. Um, he's I think he's got a little something there. And uh, Chris, uh, Chris Guts Gutzmacher is sort of a hard nosed dude, been around the block a little bit. Um, and that's probably going to be a good scrap. But if we're just going for funsies, just just for the fun of it, how do you not pick Bam Bam? Brian Barbarina is fighting Jason Witt. Jason Witt, not very good at fighting, but what he is good at, he's good at winning or losing in really fun ways. He's got three UFC fights. His two losses were like sub-60 seconds. He got bolted and he got bolted, and then in his one win, arm triangle. Brian Barbarina is a guy – who is really fun no matter who he's fighting, he's probably gonna find a way to lose to Jason Witt at first and then just <laughs> overcome it to then bolt Jason Witt in like the second or third round. Uh, one of the toughest dudes alive, Brian Barberena, is always must-watch television. So that's easily my choice. And it's a welterweight, which is maybe not as good as Bantamweight, but it's it's in the conversation for second best division at least.
1: I like both of your answers. Just think of some of the fights we lost on this card. Yeah. We lost Durahimov versus Chris Dawkins. I believe it's now been shuffled to a a third different event. Ronnie Lawrence was
2: supposed to be Mike.
1: I bet. Sam Alvey, Roman Kapilov. Ronnie Lawrence was supposed to fight John Casaneda. That still would have been a crazy ass fight. Asker Askarov versus Alex Perez was supposed to be on this card. Now Alex Perez is fighting Matt Schnell next month. Uh, Duho Choi was supposed to fight on this card against Danny Chavez, but Chavez remains on the card. He's going to fight Kai Kamaka, which is still a really good fight. So we lost, we we lost some good ones. We lost some good ones, but listen, lots of MMA to consume on Saturday. Get your two computer screens or television screens ready. And, or you can just hit the old last button and go back and forth, but we'll have you covered right here in MMA fighting across the board as we award (laughs) this final regulation point. And it's a big one folks. And it goes to, In an absolutely shocking development, <laughs> we're going to the knockout round. Jed Mashu ties it up. Stand this has never happened.
2: Unprecedented.
1: I mean, no matter what happened, I just want to. I want to. I want more. And I feel like this question is just so perfect because of what I've seen Uh-oh. earlier today. But one Uh-oh. question will decide it all. And I will. I will say this was not the question I was going to go with.
2: Who am I going to make? But due to some.
1: Now? due to some social media discussions earlier today, we're going to go ahead and change things up. So each of these individuals will have one minute to respond to said question, and then we're going to turn it over to a very busy man, E. Casey Lydon, who is at the Bellator press conference, flew all the way back just to produce this program. He will render the final decision. So Spencer, you, sir, have the champion's prerogative. Do you want to go first, or do you want to pass it on over to Jed Michoud?
3: Go ahead, counselor. (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right, this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun. So, Jed Michu, we begin with you. Earlier today, we were, we confirmed a report from ESPN: Amanda Nunes tests positive for COVID nineteen. The Bantamweight title fight scheduled for next weekend's UFC two sixty five card between Nunes and Juliana Pena will not be happening. It's being postponed until a later date that we do not know yet. So the main event for the interim heavyweight title is still on top between Derek Lewis and Cyril Ghosn. Not sure which one of these prelim fights is getting the bump up, but maybe we can decide that here. But the question is, Jed, how big of a hit did this card take losing Nunez versus Pena? And what do you grade it on paper right now without that fight? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now.
2: That's a really complicated question. From a straight number standpoint, it probably didn't take a hit at all. Um, Man, Nunes just isn't a draw. That's, I've written about this. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, when she's put in good positions, i.e. against Ronda Rousey or on UFC 200, she can draw a million favorite Uh In her other fights that aren't those situations, she's barely breaking six digits. So from a number standpoint, we really didn't lose much. I and mean, there's a reason that Luis Ganes for, for an interim title And it's not because they really want to give these guys a belt. It's because they want them to headline the event. They think that's going to do the numbers. So from that standpoint, not losing a lot. From a fan standpoint, I mean, anytime you lose the greatest female fighter of all time, Card takes a hit. Like, she's going to beat the doors off Juliana Pena. Like, that's not going to be competitive in the slightest. But I'll still watch that woman go to work any day of the week, so that sucks. Fortunately, the rest of his card's really good. I'll give it a B plus, B+. And our new co-main event, Jose Aldo, baby, all day.
1: All right, a B+. All right, same question, Spencer. You were sort of the catalyst behind this question. <laughs> How big of a hit did UFC 265 take today? What is the grade on paper now? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now.
3: It certainly took a hit because, as Jed said, when you lose the GOAT, that's never a good thing. I'm, I'm in the same boat. You want to let me watch the greatest female fighter in the history of this sport compete? I don't care who she's fighting. I'm tuning in. She is that good. She is that dominant. I want to see it because when she's gone, we're going to think, oh, man, I wish Amanda Nunes was still here. Wrecking people. In terms of the overall card, it's still terrific. And, and yeah, I was the catalyst for this because a bunch of people were like, oh, this fight card isn't that good to begin with. And I think, what are you, crazy? Like, look at the rest of this card. Take away everybody's objection to an interim title being on the line. Derek Lewis versus Cyril Ghosn is still a tremendous heavyweight fight. We have Jose Aldo against Pedro Munoz. Absolute banger. We have Mike Chiesa against the violent violence merchant, Vicente Luque. Awesome. Sonia Dong. Some, everybody was in on this kid until he loses to Kyler Phillips. Now we have to pretend like he's nothing. This is still a great card. It is one of the better main cards of the year to me. It is an A card.
1: All right. We got B plus for Jed Michoud. A solid A for Spencer Kite. Now we turn it over to an A plus, in my opinion. E, Casey Lydon, the best judge in the business who is going to render this decision. It's going to make sure that I don't have to feel the pressure of this decision. And don't forget, Casey will be on site in Inglewood for the weigh-ins, all that fun stuff. So tune in. You'll be on site for Bellator 263. We're going to do like a dual preview show tomorrow as well. I don't know when that's happening, but it's happening tomorrow. So we have a lot to discuss. We're just getting started here. So Casey, we turn it over to you, my friend. Who wins? Is it the returning Jed Mishu or the reigning... The reigning winner. I, I, I guess we'll call him the interim champion. I, we know Phoenix Carnavali still holds the title. But we're going to have to do something about this. She might just be like the grand champion at the end of the day, but we have to like move this division forward. So, who wins? <sighs> the tension, you can know, cut it with a knife. Okay.
0: I need help! I need help here. What what are the
1: people in the comments saying? Yes. Oh man! All right, all right, all right, all right. What are the peeps saying?
0: No one, no one even mentioned Manel Cape. That would have been an instant win. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um. All right. I made my decision. You're a winner. Because it is the greatest division, men's bantamweight, E-Spencer
2: Kite. Ah, oh, there you go. That's this really- is objectively false. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the fact that you clearly just didn't rule on this last round, it's objectively <laughs> false. <laughs> Uh,
0: Spencer does it again He is, he is, he is he, 2-0 He knows how to play the game Jed, he knows how to play the game
3: Remember what we started with about Dean Thomas and TJ Dillashaw played the game correctly? If you paid attention to Twitter, I said I was coming here to manipulate judges. I understand what I'm doing here 2-0, I'm coming back next week to defend this title again the shower right. more praise on Casey and his mustache. That. I'll probably shout out the panda dojo. I'll shout out Fezzik. <laughs> I know how to do this. I'm coming. I'm not going anywhere. Put a two up in that win column. Happy to be here. Boom. <laughs> Alex Kaylee, get your get your get your get your things right and get back here. You said you wanted more. Come and get more.
1: There we go. Now we got a triple threat match. We got we got two guys from the MMA fighting staff looking to get it back for the website. And Jed Mashu, clearly, you know, you, you took some time off, you brought your A game, you were, you hit the refresh button and you came back on the the wrong end of a decision. How do you, how do you feel about what just transpired here?
2: Yeah. I mean, look—you have a lot of losses up there. The, the truth is, I've lost to one person. It's Casey. It's, I've, I've only ever lost to Casey, so uh, you know I'm I'm 19 and one. That one just happens a lot, so, so I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, I like Spencer's answer. He recognizes that I'm the Corey Sandpagan in this situation, and uh, I think we're good. Everybody's in the in the same. Same happy little boat. We all understand the lay of the land here. You know, it is what it is. To to take Max Holloway's line, it is what it is.
1: So we got Spencer at two and zero. Jed believes he's thirty one and one right now. So <laughs> no, I'm just nineteen
2: that, and one. Just nineteen and one.
1: He's A nineteen one and eleven with, with nineteen one and twelve with twelve no contests.
2: No, just just the one. Only one person has defeated me. So that's <laughs> just the one person has defeated me. So if I take my team down to like 12, how many different people I've put the boots to, we find we that. Say, as well. We used to say Joseph Benavides
3: was was unbeaten and then was beating everybody except Dominic Cruz. And Dominic Cruz was the one guy. Casey's the one no, guy. Cause guy cause Jed, Jed
2: Johnson also beat him. I twice. know,
3: but initially. But Jed, Jed the, <laughs> yeah. Casey's the one guy Jed can't beat. And I've figured yeah, out yeah. how to play to Casey.
2: It's really unfortunate that the one guy I can't beat, I have to play every week. Like, that's that's very tough. If I got some new blood in there, oh, I guess two because Sean made a guest appearing <laughs> to intentionally sabotage me one week. But I don't count that as real because that was obviously stage chicanery. Uh, uh, so, yeah, you know, uh, I, like I said, I'm just here for the fans. I'm out here swinging away. Uh, I was clearly right about everything I said, and at some point the champ will come back, like like Brock Lesnar, just once a year, just showing up at a big important event and defending the belt, and then off into the ether again. So, in the meantime, I'll just be here putting in the work.
0: Juice out of your mind,
3: yeah. (laughs) 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 To the gills. To the gills. To the gills.
1: Speaking of Brock Lesnar, next week we'll once again turn chicken salad and uh, chicken shit into chicken <laughs> salad right here on Between the Links. That's what we do here. We're out of here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you're watching and listening after the fact, we appreciate it. We'll see you back here once again next week Between the Links. For Jed, for Spencer, for Casey on the production, on the ones and twos, I am Mike Heck, the iconic voice of Esther takes you home. Good night, everybody.
2: Love you guys.
0: This has been Between the Links. I'm Esther Lynn I'm to, go to bed Hey kid, I'm trying to read the outro Hey, respect my voice I'm Esther Lynn, respect me Respect me
2: Hey,
0: we're off
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast
0: Network